I need to work less. I need to sleep more. I need to spend more time with my family. I need to not drink. Mm. I only probably drink once a week. So why aren't you doing those things? Well, great question. Chris James, welcome to the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. We've met a couple of times at Leah Turner's party. Uh, we've had some some conversations on LinkedIn, other platforms. I'm delighted to get you on. Really intrigued to find out about more about you as a person. For those that don't know you, just tell the audience what you actually do now. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited for this too. Um, what I do now, I'll I help freelancers, creatives, coaches win more clients using organic content so they don't need to worry about ads or dead complicated funnels. It's main, there's, there's five pillars which we can go into or not, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's changed my life and it's changing loads of other people's lives as well. Yeah, because on LinkedIn, um, I'll go straight to it. I think it's a wash with people like you, for want of a better term, in terms of people that say that you can get 50 grand a month or 10 grand a month by doing this and doing that. And it must be quite a quite hard to distinguish yourself and b how do you distinguish yourself from all those other people that are kind of saying similar things it's painful all right not 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 necessarily for me because I, I love it but just to see how many messages i get saying i can help you get to this number mm. or this many appointments could you handle 300 appointments booked in your calendar next week like no yeah. gotta fuck yeah, 300 yeah. are you mad <laughs> i'll yeah, just yeah. take them over the year please yeah. um but yeah there are a lot of people doing that um I don't find it hard to distinguish at all because mm. I do what I've always done since I started making content and just put everything out there. I don't hold anything back. Right. Um, I do it in a very strategic and intentional way. I know exactly what I want each post to do. Doesn't always do it, yeah. but that's what I aim for. And we have, I don't know, I've never seen a program with like a genuine program with more genuine client results than mm. ours. Because mm. there's a big kind of always discussion about, I think salespeople think marketing's a load of rubbish and kind of vice versa, really, right? But I think with your stuff, I think on LinkedIn, on sorry, Instagram, you're called Sales Guy Chris. And I think that in order to be successful, there has to be a huge element of sales and marketing. and But the combination of that needs to be right as well. So talk to us about that. Well, you got, I like stripping things back to the basics and sales and marketing and, you know, in the corporate world and businesses that I've worked in have always had this like, They've always hated each other because yeah. the marketing's the sole role of marketing, aside from like awareness and nurturing, is the end goal is is to generate leads. That is yeah, that's right. the end goal for marketing. Mm. The end goal of sales is converting those leads. So the salespeople get pissed off because the marketing department haven't bought qualified leads through. Yeah, but the marketing department get pissed off because the salespeople aren't qualifying the leads. Yeah, right. the leads they're sending right, through. Right. So that's what I've seen. Um, and yeah, the whole aim of being online is as a personal, you know, operating through a personal brand mm. in my eyes mm. is the marketing side of things first and foremost. Mm. And everything stems from the offer. What are you putting out there? Um, then that's transferred into a message of some kind. Yeah. And then that then becomes your, your marketing in different ways, combining yourself, your service and the opportunity that you present. Yeah, so these 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 clients of yours I've seen uh, that that uh, speak very highly of you with the tangible results. I know you've kind of given us the headlines there, but 
is it quite an emotive thing? Is it more process stuff? Just talk us through some of the steps around if, if someone was starting out, how they're going to go from sort of nothing to then getting hot leads to actually getting con- conversions. Because I feel like there's personal branding. There's, there's, we're given lots of different advice, but with your stuff, I think it's, it is quite, it's a sort of, it is a process, but it's also specific to each person. I don't know. It's a process for sure, but you do have to have the emotion in it like you say mm. it is it is emotive mm. Mm. the the main thing i'm seeing time and time again and yes it's a buzzword but it it comes down to the mindset of the client because i've i've been in other programs just like mine and the the clients themselves in there some of them just don't believe that they're worthy or capable right. of achieving these things and we're quite transparent we have sales calls or discovery calls before people join. We've never yeah. tried to click to buy this. There's no like low ticket really available. I've got one that I never talk about, but we take people to a call. We have a, a real conversation with them. Mm. Sometimes I can be on them for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, because I want to understand if that person has got one, the time. Yeah. But also like the belief system mm. to do what it takes. You've, you've talked about that quite a lot. And I talk about it a lot around, I think you can have all the automation, all the process, all the stuff in the world. But as you're, as you're saying there, I think that if you don't believe in your own self and your product anyway, that's going to emanate out into your client base. So with yourself personally, though, I've seen some of the stuff online and I, I want to talk to you about your journey as well. But yeah, your sure. own kind of journey around the self-belief, the self-talk, the self-doubt, the mental health side. Let's let's go into that. Where do you want to start, mate? Because yeah, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to unpack there. Well, well, well tell us, mate, because um, uh, I know you've had some 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 losses, shall we say? And yeah, um, you know, I, I've been open myself about my own depression and stuff and coming through that. So just just whatever you're comfortable with, but talk us some of the scariest moments, the darkest times, the trauma, the times when you wanted to give up, all those kind of times, right? Giving up's not an option. I don't think it ever has been. Um, I think it all stems back, and I can't put it back any further than this, but childhood where I just felt felt the need, and I still do in some ways, but nowhere near as much like external validation, like just constantly seeking it, constantly. Mm. I wanted people to think I was good, funny, clever, don't know, whatever it was. Um, and I was always looking outside rather than inside. And now I can see it when other people are like that, but yeah. I couldn't see it in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back, definitely could. I can see it now that I was just doing stupid things. And obviously, young lad, I live in Macclesfield. There isn't that much to do. So you end up drinking a lot and yeah. I, I would drink loads, go yeah. out on sessions and stuff. And yeah. that, I think, started to cause anxiety so i've mm. had anxiety probably from i don't know 17 8 eh, 19 20 something like that um and i've been on some meds off some meds and it, it comes it comes and goes like i'm on medication now i'm mm. on um i can't remember what it's called sertraline sertilopram right um and they gave me i went in and said i'm 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 anxious about a number of things. Yeah. The main thing is I've got too much like energy. I'm an overthinker, perfectionist. I will think about things to the nth degree. Um, like I think a lot of entrepreneurs are. Mm. And she said, oh, we'll give you this antidepressant. I was like, I'm not, I'm not depressed. Like, yeah. I don't need bringing up. I need bringing down, mm. um, right. which was interesting. So she then explained, oh, it, it will balance you out. And you know what, mate? I went back. 
and said, I want, I just, I want more of it. So really? I've actually recently doubled my dosage. Right. And it's the best thing I've done in ages. And I'm not yeah. coming on here and say that anyone else no. should do that. No. But I, I can operate at a, a normal level now. Yeah. Which is really weird. Well, firstly, I think it's very brave of you to say that. Uh, you know, I've, I personally tried the medication similar to that and it didn't work for me. And I think what you're, what you're saying here is that it's, it's never a one-size-fits-all approach, right? You've got to identify mm. and accept and be aware of whatever it is and then seek out the right treatment or, or, or resolution for that. But and it I, was, my, um, my, I wasn't even going to go for it at all. Mm. I wasn't even going to go to an appointment because I knew that what the outcome would be. I'd be in there for a minute and a half and they'd go, take antidepressants. Here's right. some medication that like, they don't, they treat it like a one size fits all. So you didn't feel like, like a stigma. You didn't feel not embarrassed. But you, didn't, you just, you just wanted a solution, right? Yeah. I don't want to be on medication. No. But it doesn't make me weak because I am. So what does it do then? Is it removes the anxiety or what does it give you more confidence or what? doesn't give me more confidence no i think it just instead of just being up here all the time like right intense quick, like emotional reactive it just mm. and it just brings me back down and i can operate from a logical standpoint which as a business owner for me is really important yeah talk to me about that because i know i'm acutely aware of when you're in that emotional state and you, you know everything's amplified isn't it you know something mm. happens or doesn't happen and you well i certainly catastrophize or think so talk to us about some of the times where you've had to cope with that and now the difference of not having that must be must be great as well yeah i mean i've, I've always i used to and i still do give myself like 30 to 40 quid spends a week that's it everything everything else covered like right. haircut shopping that kind of thing but just me money yeah um and give myself about 40 40 pounds spends i would buy other things yeah. for sure but trying to operate and i remember like only a couple of years ago we've been going out for a family meal mm. and this isn't because we were broke this is just being protective of money and being paranoid and like just being on edge about stuff and just like saying to saying to amy my wife like let's just have tap waters here so we can get some better mains just because I wanted like that safety net, that protection. And I think mm. now this, I don't think it's a result of the medication. It's more a result mm. of making more money through the business and realizing the risks you take usually pay off if they're calculated. Now I don't, I don't view money like that at all. Is it a fear thing then? Or because I'm, I'm, I, I've been historically the opposite. I get money, I spend it. Now I realize that, you know, you don't have to do that. You can invest it or save it. But I saw one of your posts where you've, you say you've got almost like a lot of money stashed away, if I could say that kind of stuff. I think you did actually say that. Why? What's your modus operandi for that? Why do you want to be so frugal? Have you got a grand plan with that money? Or I've put, I've, I'm holding it in savings. It's not loads. Yeah. Um, You're not it's... a multi, multi-millionaire or anything like that. No, not, I'm not, <laughs> not yet. near the millionaire, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I've got it in savings. I'm making a little bit of money off it each month, which is cool. Okay. Um, the grand plan is to use that to to reinvest into the business rather than mm. invest it into like well, anything really, yeah, apart yeah. from the business. So mm. I, I'm still only taking from the business like 600 quid a month, 650 wow. quid a month to stay below that 12K threshold. Well, that, that, that's a lot of kind of probably, for want of a better term, restraint and measure, mm. um, which, which conflicts... I think to things like you said, you talk about external validation. So money's not important to you. You don't use it as a vehicle to sort of get validation, but this validation thing then, where, where do you think that stemmed from? Insecurity, I think, when I was younger. I don't know about what. I was quite skinny. Right. 
No, that was it. I think like I wasn't wasn't good looking, bad looking. I was just play. I was pretty much playing average at everything. Yeah, in school, sports. Because mm. it's difficult, isn't it, with with social media, whereby we're kind of in it now, uh, and it kind of goes with the territory where, irrespective of what we say, I think everyone when a po- when a post flops. It's, it does affect me. <laughs> and when it goes well, I do feel that that dopamine hit, right? So I think that it's hard not to lean towards your worth being associated to the number of followers or likes or comments and that kind of stuff. What would you say to that? Mm. Zoom out is my advice to myself and my clients. Because mm-hmm. if you, you're honing in on one post, you're sort of missing the point, mm. I think. I... I rarely, I mean, I mean, I must do subconsciously, but I rarely look at my posts on LinkedIn yeah. in terms of numbers. I don't really take them in. I will notice if one's done really badly or really well, but overall, I don't know. Yeah. Um, because I don't do massive numbers of, in, I don't get massive mm. engagement numbers. Mm. So it's it's about widening your perspective because most people, and this is how most people live their lives, they're, they're caught up in the reactive. Yeah. They're caught up in the day-to-day acting emotionally and that's exactly what I didn't want to do is, is be someone that just yeah. acts entirely on emotion like I was so I like to just ask myself the question like what happens if I widen the perspective what happens if you know I focus on a year instead of a day mm. and that is just like one post mm. it's, it's, and, and also you've got to remember that you're like yeah. you're dealing with you're dealing with robots here as well who are distributing your content it's not you going up to people and them ignoring you People right. might not have even seen that post. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not going up in the street and, yeah. and going, hey, I've just put 10 hours into this. Do you want to just take a look at it? And do you mind hitting that, this physical bell or this heart? That's right. I mean, I, I look at some posts and some people's posts, they do really, really well. They have like four, five, six hundred likes per post as a selfie. And I used to get that myself, but my engagement's gone way down. But the mm. quality of my actual lead generation and my business has gone way up. And I think that's the trick. And I think some people, almost if they had the choice between likes and comments and that kind of stuff versus money, they'd probably still choose the former because they're so entre- entrenched in kind of getting that. Mm. And actually, so it's it's about the end goal. And the, obviously, you need to have the followers and the likes to, as well. But... I think that's what you're. That's what you do. You actually get the quality as opposed to the quantity. But you, obviously, you want both, right? Yeah, I think to, when if you're starting out, I mm. think just go for quantity because mm. ultimately, by doing the reps, you will end up producing quality. If you do something enough times, you get yeah. better at it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I completely agree, Chris. It's like it's really, really hard to see um, who who's trying to do what with the, like their posts sometimes because. Yeah, they might be getting all these likes. Yeah, um, yeah. But is it, like you say, is it is it resulting in yeah. what they want? Which yeah, might be they might just be the likes, and that's fine. It's a bit it's a bit weird. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I I think you can build an audience to a certain degree mm. with high engagement and not sell anything, and then try and monetize. But why not just try it a little bit at the same time? You'll notice if a blatant yeah. sales post of mine yeah. goes out. The engagement will be will be really low usually, right. and yeah, then yeah. another post it'll it'll be quite high. Yeah. But I, you know, I put put them out with a specific intention. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it is just nurturing. It yes, it, that, yeah. That's it. I mean, there was a big hiatus. Well, there was a big kind of bit of a rumble on LinkedIn about two or three weeks ago. I don't know if you saw it, where um, one guy in particular was trying to out what he called fake people, big influencers posting and getting like four or five hundred likes within three minutes and bloody. 
40 odd reposts within three minutes, probably clearly using engagement pods or that kind of stuff. Um, what's your view on that? Because I, I feel that um, I feel there are some disingenuous people out there and that's just life. But what's your general take on it? I don't know what's worse. The guy spending time analyzing <laughs> the posts yeah, yeah. or the people in the in the engagement pods. Um, I can see why why it might look good on paper or excite people. Mm. But again, like what what for what? Yeah. Like what what's the end goal with it? Mm. Just to have that number there? Or does that number actually yeah, but if, but if, financially if, if, they're, if they're taking money off people and doing that, I feel that is that that takes it a bit too far. You so know? you know they're charging for like LinkedIn mm. services, but oh yeah, they, I I I think anyone doing mm. like something like that should be outed. Yeah, so we'll go back into that in a minute. Um, but you you've mentioned a few things about you know being skinny when you're younger. But so I'd like to know more about you and your journey. So what why don't you paint us a picture, mate? Kind of since you left school to where you are now. What's 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 gone on in, in your life? <laughs> oh jeez, I went to school. Um, finished. I can't. Remember. In fact, I'm not even going to say the year okay. <laughs> um but yeah went to school then went to sixth form for a year um got kicked out just before the end of the year just for i went from being average or slightly above average maybe intelligence to the lowest intelligence in, in sixth form right, because okay. yeah a lot of the less intelligent people tend to not go mm. so i didn't know what to do then i think i got an apprenticeship in a science lab for two years at astrazeneca who ever, everyone will have heard of now yeah, of course yeah um in the q a department and yeah around that time i was just i was smoking a load of weed and that's when the sessions basically started then i went to college and did music tech because zeneca didn't want to keep me on probably for obvious reasons mm. um I enjoyed music tech, got the option to go to uni and decided against it because not many of my friends had gone. And again, didn't think it would be cool or maybe didn't want to be alone as well. Could have been something. Mm. Um, and then after that, I did some like, I don't know, trade jobs for a bit, just making money mm -hmm. um, and then fell into a sales role. Right. Okay. How old are you then? 23. How old are you now? You can 24. say. Huh? 24? You're only 24? <laughs> no, I wish I was, mate. Are you not 24? <laughs> I'm 30, uh, 37. God, I wish I was 37. Anyway. I wish I was 24. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, after that, I went worked my way around a few, like, of the local call centres and stuff. Yeah. Got made redundant a bunch of times. That's what, when I moved out, like, around that time from my parents' house as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, the work started working at this one call centre where... I got made redundant and they took me the next day and I went in there and I absolutely smashed it, cleared up, made a few good mates. And mm. that was, that was me putting the reps in because you right. had to, you had to do 220 dials every single day. You got bollocks wow. if you didn't, your gap time had to be a lower certain. So old school cold calling, just making it happen, right? Cold calling. Yeah. yeah right. Selling appointments, saying that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and you cut your teeth in situations like that. You mm. really do. And yeah. as horrible as it was, that was, I'm grateful for that place. I met my met one of my best mates there. Yeah. And met Amy there as well. Right. Your current wife, right? Current. Yeah. yeah. For now. Yeah. I don't know why I say current for. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I grew up in a similar kind of environment, S3, where it was like that hardcore sales. And that, you know, if, if, if I was late, my ties get chopped off and throw donuts at me. It was all kind of like all that. But actually, it kind of made me. It kind of made me like, I didn't fear anybody. Like, so when I was on the phone to CEOs, I didn't put them as inferior or superior. I just kind of went for it. And I think on the phone, 
I think in some ways it's easier because you're not face to face. It's there's, t- there's a tone of voice. Mm. I think it's, it's a bit of an art form, isn't it, on the phone? Definitely, especially the the longer that cold calling's gone on because people get more pissed off with it. So then the bar's <laughs> raised before yeah. who you'll actually speak to, especially if you're a CEO. But yeah, like I ended up really liking it, like yeah. really liking it. Not not that particular role because I then yeah. moved on to work in recruitment for a bit um, and then I landed a job at a marketing agency. But it was all based around outbound, attract right. someone's attention, get them to like you, get them to trust you and then book a, a meeting or sell to them essentially. Mm. Um, so it, 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 there's definitely, it's an art and a science. It's a numbers game, but a targeted numbers game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it still excites me now. I might have to, mm. I might actually do a YouTube video one time where right. I do some cold calls, yeah. trying to sell something that doesn't exist, maybe. BD's made of renaissance because it's, it's needed to, particularly in my sector in, in recruitment, where for two or three years it's been it's been easy. But now my clients have kind of had to unwire themselves and they've expected the roles to come in. And I'm, I'm all for like the nurturing, the, the, the personal branding and the, you know, that kind of stuff in, in terms of winning sales. But also think doing some of the cold calling as well in the right way can can yield good dividends as well, right? Yeah, 100%. You think sales is, is built on trust. Yeah. Trust is usually formed after some form of relationship or like a perceived relationship. Yeah. And how do you start a relationship? Well, you have to go and speak to people. Yeah. Or they have to see you in some form. Yeah. So, yeah, one-to-one conversation is is really powerful. And, you know, when, when COVID kicked in um, and everyone worked from home, we expected it at the agency to become, you know, we had mm. video teams. Mm. that we had to like furlough for a bit because obviously we couldn't right. go out, but we had right. other things that we could sell that were purely yeah. remote. And getting hold of people then and mm. building relationships with them right at the start of COVID from cold calling yeah. was so easy. Yeah, because I, I think in many ways, surely it's easier than a face-to-face meeting or online meeting because like, what's the worst that can happen? They can put the phone down on you. That's that's what I was always saying. What, what is the worst that can actually happen in this situation? You know? <laughs> nothing bad's ever really happened to me i think the yeah. worst thing is where you have a really good call with someone then you ring them back and i remember someone yeah. just saying hi it's chris we spoke yesterday and they're like yep how can i help and i'm like <laughs> you remember so, me <laughs> like, yeah it was literally 12 hours ago that yeah, we spoke yeah. yeah yeah um so yeah nothing fact so what that's why yeah. anything that happens is like mm. water off a duck's back now I yeah. think, and again, helps with the zooming out perspective. Mm. A lot of people I see get hung up on like, oh, this one person didn't show up to a, a discovery right. call or yeah. the, the post flop or whatever it is. And it's just like, yeah. we'll just go and do more of the thing that got you that and then you'll get the result. It's interesting you say that just to digress because I want to talk to your story in a minute. I've been a guest on a few podcasts and I, I, I talk about my story quite a lot. And one person said to me yesterday, do you think you're vulnerable and authentic online? I said, yeah, I'm vulnerable. She's, and she said, well, no, I think you can go a lot harder. But, but also... What I find when I'm telling my story, I, I talk about the abandonment, the losing my business, the the, the 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 negative stuff, which I want I want to find out. But I never really praise myself about being a good father or the good stuff I've done. I think sometimes, to, to your point, we often focus on the negative and and get shy about our achievements. What would you What would you say to that? People don't want to come across braggy. Mm. I think. And I toyed with this, like, I think in my content on Instagram, I'll happily talk about money all day long, how much money I've right. made, how much other, like clients have made, things like that. Um, on LinkedIn, I, I like really held off. Hmm. And then I thought, like, why is this? Like, it's because I'm afraid of bragging. And then, and people will think this. But again, removing the emotion completely, mm-hmm. 
it's we're talking in facts. Yeah, absolutely. It's not an opinion. It's absolutely. not me trying to look good. It's not me trying to show off. It's actually me yeah. stating a fact. Yeah. And that's what I tell my clients. Uh, I love how you do it, Chris. You're, you're always talking about your references and say, well, why can't you've got the references there? Why why wouldn't you promote that to get the business? It's, 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 it's a strange one, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Um, again, I think it comes through just going through the ring and, and yeah. really you do get to a point, I think, when you start publishing content online, it's very it's scary for some people. It was scary for me. It, I probably held myself up by five years right, due to fear of judgment and what other people are going to say about me. Mm. And I went through this like exercise. It wasn't guided or anything. I was like, who? Who is it that I'm so – and I narrowed it down to two people – both were mates. Right. And I was scared that they were going to say, who are you trying to be like the next Stephen Bartlett or something like that? Oh, wow, right. Um, so I, I'd like... So it wasn't, it wasn't people you didn't know, it's actual mates you were concerned about. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, I don't know why anyone would care about people who don't know. But, pe- but, but I think people do think that. But... I think they do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's like, if yeah. you actually think about that as a yeah. concept, when again, you out. trying to remove the emotion out of everything, it's like, what's fact, what's not? Yeah, okay, true. if it's not an absolute fact, yeah. then it's not necessarily true. You can mm. cast that aside. What is the fact? What is the fact here? Yeah. They don't know you. Are they going to come and kill you? Yeah. No. Are they going to come and swear at you? No, yeah. probably not. And it's even if there's an, you know, it's a question of can you categorically say that's true, even if it's a little bit true, but it doesn't make it as bad as what you think it's made it. And also time as well. And, you know, sometimes I used to put a post out or a video out and not want to watch it back. I mean, what is all that about? I just think it just comes with time. Your but, standards, but your personal standards become yeah. higher, and, and you, yeah. you know the the bar gets raised. Yeah. Whereas you know it only took a couple of months from me hiding behind design and not showing my face mm. to doing some like getting my face out there, talking head videos. Yeah. Right. And stupid videos with my daughter and stuff like that with the go. marketing or sales spin. Yeah. So you said, and but again, I think I needed the validation to do that. Mm. I think I did at the yeah, start. Yeah. You do need someone to believe in you. You're almost like it's weird. You kind of need to be given permission, or a lot of people do, and I certainly did. Mm. Kind of need to be given permission to do what you want, to live your life how yeah. you want to live it, because everyone's just been molded and, and shaped into this yeah. one way or a couple of ways of thinking, and you shouldn't go too far that way, or you shouldn't go too far that way. Mm. like it's like being at school like yeah, if you were yeah. thick you'd get bullied if you were too clever you'd get bullied so it's like people are punished from an early age almost for standing out in some way so it's like very much mm. but it's the people Absolutely. that stand out yeah. that make the yeah. difference in some way what areas of your life do you think you need to look at more <laughs> of i need to work less i need to sleep more i need to spend more time with my family I need to not drink but I don't mm. I only probably drink once a week so why aren't you doing those things well great question why aren't I doing them because I believe that life kind of goes in cycles or seasons where you do need to lessen intensity in some areas and increase it in others mm, mm. so right now it's business focused and if yeah. i have to get six hours sleep instead of eight yeah that's fine mm. um if i have to miss out on a few bedtimes mm. with my daughter then that's fine because yeah. again you pull it back to the fact why am i doing this yes well i like buying some designer clothes 
I want to go on holiday once a year mm. and I want to pass on as much money as possible to my stepson and my daughter. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. I, mm. want, I want to pay the mortgage off maybe. Mm. That's it. Mm. Do you have any regrets about stuff, you, decisions you've made, stuff you've done in the past and how's that affected you and other people around you? Not really. No, because I think it's due to pan out the way it's going to pan out. You can you can mould it as much as you want, but only so far. Um, yeah. And we wouldn't be sat here having this conversation if I hadn't made the decisions I've made. Um, and I wouldn't be as content as I am in the job that I've got yeah. if I hadn't made the decisions I've made. Have I, have I made stupid decisions? Yeah, a lot of them, probably every week. Give us an example. <laughs> um, oh, God, I don't know what I can think of off the cuff. Really bad. Well, uh, my ex-girlfriend, that was a stupid decision. <laughs> um, yeah. But letting that go on for too long. Right, yeah. Um, and again, operating from a, a place of fear. Mm. And I remember when I first moved into my uh, the first house on my own, because when I moved out, I lived with a mate. Then I moved lived with him again for another year. Then two mates. And, it, you know, great time. Glorious nice. time. Yeah, yeah. And then I went from this, we hired, we had hired, <laughs> I'm so used to saying the word hired. <laughs> we had a pretty big house for people our age because there was three of us. Um, so after that, I moved into a two up, two down end terrace mm-hmm. that was like leaning. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, because that's all I could get a mortgage on. Yeah. And I couldn't work the heat in. I remember coming home from this call center Mm. in like November, there was damp on the walls. I just, yeah, and right. I was on my own having split up with my ex girlfriend. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, right. this is again, zoomed in too much. I was like, yeah. I, I need, I need around here. Like I need, so, I just need someone. I didn't need her. Yeah. I needed someone. Got you. And that, that cat cycle just went on for ages. That was a, mm. just a, a elongated bad decision. No. Cause I, I yeah, I, I always used to think that you don't need someone to make you happy, but I've kind of got to a stage now. Where I'm, I'm quite, open to, to having relationships. I want to talk about relationships, but I also want to talk about your journey as well. Because obviously you mentioned that you met your wife at that call center thing. So that, we kind of stopped there last time. So let's just carry mm. on that, that journey if you want. Yeah. So she, I just went upstairs because they put all the lads on this sales team in the basement. There's no windows or anything right. like that. Um, got a bit rowdy, loads of banter, that kind yeah, of thing. You know sure. what it's like? Not yeah. quite cut your tie off. That was the role before. Yeah. <laughs> um, so no ties cut off, but it was brutal. It was good though. Mm. Um, so I went upstairs one day and I saw this saw this woman. Like I was like, oh my God. Went back down and told my best mate. Then I was like, someone new's just started. She's really fit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was like, what she look like? What she look like? So I told him, he was like, oh, that's Amy. She's just come back off maternity leave. And I'm like, oh. Right. What's she, what's she going having kids for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, we she ended up, she'd been working there for ages. Like, she was one of the first people in the company. Mm. So we ended up on the same team. She ended up being my boss on a very small team that they put together just to trial something with a new client where we were outbound dialing and, and selling. Yeah. And... I used to like make mistakes on calls, so she'd review them. It was her and another woman who any, had it. Any excuse up. to get some time with her, right? Literally, yeah. And then, like, I could see her watching my screen. I'd just type things like "hiya" and eye contact <laughs> with her across a massive room at this point because we got moved yeah, upstairs. Right. So, yeah, we. What happened then? Yeah, we had a little chat at the at a Christmas do. Yeah, and then. 
that that gave me enough to like right i do really like her because we talked a little bit mm. she's a few years older than me um and yeah i sent her a message saying how many times did you catch me looking at you today <laughs> you charmer i oh, know <laughs> um <laughs> and she's like a few and then yeah. we have never opened up about this to anyone we met up three times this is while i was with my ex-girlfriend, right. we met up three times, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. On the third time, I kissed her and I went to Adam's house actually and texted my girlfriend and said, look, I'm not coming home, but I think, you know, you should get your stuff. Mm. And that was the end of it. Decisive. But I couldn't go in, I couldn't mm. go back home with that guilt, even no. though it was just a kiss. So it's almost love at first sight, really, almost for you in a way. Yeah, not for her. <laughs> it was it's to work on that one <laughs> yeah um she was quite like i found her quite intimidating right like older in, in, in and a way, more senior in more a way senior, right. yeah um, taller than me with heels on that's hard <laughs> but yeah she she just she had a bit of a i don't know she was ser like quite serious as well for them until i got to know her mm. and yeah i just found her a bit mysterious i was like you know i'm gonna look through her facebook pictures and stuff and nice um yeah. Then. So you had that confidence then to, to sort of, because some men don't have that confidence or they do have that confidence, but, you know, a domineering woman, if you want, for want of a better term, you didn't, you wasn't shy about that. You just, you just wanted her basically. Yeah. Well, we'd, we'd obviously had this chat at the, at the Christmas do. Yeah. Um, and she, I, I think you had to vote for your employee of the year or something. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I'll, I went up to her and I was like, I, yeah. I voted for you. I was like, just, that's when I was drunk though. Yeah. So I went up behind her and said that. And then she yeah. came up and said, so I'm really attracted to you or whatever. And I was like, oh, I've got a girlfriend. Happy so days. Nothing happened. And then, yeah, this was January then. Right. Um, How old are you then? We've been together nearly 11 years. So 20. Seven. What, you together 11 years with your old girlfriend? No, with Amy. Oh, with Amy. Oh, I so see. So 27 I was there, oh, there, okay. there, thereabouts. Maybe oh, I 26. see, right. Oh, you've been together 11 years, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Right, so, you're still, so you're still, you're, at this point, you're still relatively a young man, basically, right? Relatively. You still are now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. She, she smartened me up. In what way, then? Well, fashion. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't mean that. I mean... Yeah. Just made me see things, see that things are bigger than mm. hating your job, getting pissed, and then on Monday hating your job again. Right. Um, yeah. And she had a, a, a one-year-old at the time mm. from the previous relationship of 12 years or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that was scary. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. But we, we decided, like, just leave it six months before I even meet Edward. Yeah. Leave it six months. And yeah, played with him, got on really well with him. Like mm. a true gangster. I'm a stepdad, I've been a stepdad, and it's not, it's a very enjoyable role, but it's not easy role either, is it? No, not at all. Um, however, it's a lot easier for me than most. One, because his dad is around and he's actually a half decent guy. Oh, great. Okay. I don't like him. No, <laughs> but he, and yeah, he's a, he's a bit. In fact, I'm not going to put that out just in case Edward yeah. ever sees this. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's Edward is like a pleasure to deal with. Mm -hmm. like he's organised. He gets up at like quarter seven every morning. Wow, he knows what he wants. He saves money. Mm. He spends too long on TikTok, just like you then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, he does want to go into 
content creation. Right, there you go. You know, he's got more followers than me on TikTok, but right. that's not hard. You don't want to announce that too much, do you? Really? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, okay, so then, so uh, your relationship with Amy flourished. Talk to us about that journey. You know, the, you know the journey of your relationship and uh, and what happened next in your in your life at that point. Well, I've just realised something. And I've only just realized it now because we're talking about this external validation. Yeah. With my ex-girlfriend, I was just stuck in all these jobs, these mm. low-level call center sales jobs. I thought I was making all right money, but, you know, it wasn't. It started at 11, and I think the highest I got to was 18K a year, plus commissions. Yeah. So yeah. 11K when I moved out, Jesus. <laughs> um, so I didn't level up in the business, on, well, in the in the career side of things, until I had the external validation of someone new, Amy coming in mm. because we mm. kept it secret at work for a bit. Then everyone knew. And then I was like, I'm going to move into this yeah. other job. Yeah. Um, so I only just realized that everything we've talked about has, yeah. has a, like relied on me being in some form externally validated by someone else mm, or a group of people. It is interesting, isn't it? Where, so where do you think, sorry to interrupt you, where do you right. think you'd be if you didn't meet Amy? What sort of person do you think you'd be? That's the big question, mate, because Amy, like I say, tightened everything up for me and like made a, a house a home and, and yeah. things like that. Mm. And obviously we, we had Ivy, which really made me wow. like, you know what it's like when you become a dad, you, yeah. you, know, you have to, you have to level up um, in, yeah. in every aspect. If that hadn't have happened, I see me probably still being, if not with the same girlfriend, mm. yes or no, but definitely doing the same sorts of things mm -hmm. um, in the same sorts of positions I was in, which would have been yeah. ca like catastrophe, mate. Did you find it difficult though? Because Amy had such a positive influence in your life in many aspects um, that you became needy or, or fearful that she might leave you or because that tends to happen sometimes, doesn't it? Or doesn't it? Yeah, maybe a bit, but I think I can keep my cool on the surface. Right. Um, so I, I'm quite self-aware, I think. So okay. if I ever like felt mm. I was going to come across needy, I would, I would pull back. But she obviously saw your potential. She obviously fell in love with you or was with you for a certain reason. I can see that you're a good man and that kind of stuff, right? But I guess maybe you didn't believe that as much until she came along did you say yeah i think so like i've always wanted to i've always thought i was better than the situation the, the place i was in right yeah but yeah i think again that was maybe me asking for that permission almost like mm. i need someone to just i can do something yeah, I need yeah. someone to just show me yeah. show me the route almost so where did you get married how, how was that for you manchester town hall nice yeah it was all right we Kept decided we decided it was just gonna be my mum and dad and her mum, yeah. no one else. And then we decided, yeah. oh, it's going to be siblings. And then she decided, oh, no, we'll, we'll bring in. <laughs> so it got a bit bigger, but we went there. Yeah. And then we went to, it was 14 of us, I think, in total. Stretch limo from Macclesfield to, to there. She mm. was in the Gotham Hotel getting ready. Right, nice. Um, okay. And then we went to Gaucho. Oh, lovely. All right. For food and then back to the so, hotel. So, so talk to us about your um, your your family and um and you, you, maybe your parents and your siblings and that kind of stuff. Because there's, there's, some, there's some stuff there, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Um, so one sister, one brother, 10 and 12 years older than me. So kind wow. of from the age of like 10 
when neither of them were around, I was almost like an only child. Yeah. But my mum and dad let me get away with a lot more. My dad certainly did than they would have let my brother and sister because they'd been through it 10 years ago. Yeah. They're not playing the same games. And yeah. I was definitely the black sheep of the family in terms of like taking the piss and stuff. Um, <laughs> I wasn't that bad. I was just a, a cheeky chappy. Yeah, yeah. Um, who hung around, hung around with a few wrong uns. So... Yeah, my mum and dad were always really supportive. My mum really tried to steer me in like an academic way. My dad, very working class background, got abandoned as a kid, moved around from Leek to London to Macclesfield, worked in like shops. He ended up living with his great auntie, I think, for for years because his mum didn't want him. Um, He went to the army. So, you know, that kind of person. Was he quite strict with you or not? Growing up, yeah, but we became best friends probably when I was like, at the end of puberty, let's say, like okay. 16, 17, if, if I've even finished it, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like he was quite strict, but he he had nothing and made sure that we had everything. He like, I always used right. to say, like, you're a working class hero to me, dad. Like, Good role model, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Mm. I, I got, you know, funny guy, really funny guy. Everything was a joke, apart from if he got really pissed off. And I definitely think I've inherited some of those things. Right, okay. Um, and yeah, my mum was bookkeeper by trade, then yeah. started owning a business. She was 14 years younger than my dad. And they got told that they couldn't see each other by her parents because my dad was still married, but going through a divorce at the time. Right, okay. Um, but they did anyway, obviously, and then yeah, yeah. got yeah. married. Um, so I only have had one set of grandparents, which was my mum's and these mm. two brothers and sisters. And yeah, everything, you know, we lived in a nice area in, in, in Mac because they paid 30 grand for the house oh, wow. just before I was born. Right. Um, which was, you know, crazy, absolutely yeah. crazy money. So the yeah. mortgage was paid off. My dad went through ups and downs in terms of redundancy. And I think that shook the family a little bit a few times. Mm. But yeah, all was, all was pretty good. I can't really moan about having a bad childhood or anything yeah. like that. If no. anything, it was not really far <laughs> the opposite, but it was just quite... Average, mediocre. I was left to my own devices. I lived on an estate so we could go and play out and do whatever you want. There was parks and woods and stuff nice. like that, which was... And what's the relationship like with your with your older um, siblings? Yeah, good. Mm. Good, yeah. Um, close to my sister. Very close to my sister, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I speak to her quite a lot. Trust her with anything. Um, my brother's in London, so I don't see him as much. Mm. Um, sister's got two great kids as well. Yeah who I think look up to me and I, I look up to them mm-hmm. too. I offered my nephew a job actually recently and he said, no, it doesn't, he's only 18. Yeah. doesn't fit in with my long-term goals, Chris. I'm like, <laughs> you're 18. Yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't even know what a long-term goal was when I was 18. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, it's good, man. So yeah, my mum's my mum got dementia at an early age, very early age. She's still alive and in a home. Okay. Um. So she was the youngest person in there. There's other the pe- other people that you know really loud and don't know what like really don't know what mm. they're doing. She's just sat there dead placid. So that's, she was early fifties. That's, that's quite hard to deal with, right? For you or it's horrible for her, obviously. But you know, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, um, but it's been that long, right? That you do kind of adjust to it. The yeah. first time I went into the home. You know what homes kind of smell like. Mm. Oh, I got I got in there and then I was on my own. I should have gone with my sister. Yeah, but yeah, I I went in, saw her, and then got a collapsed in 
in bloody tears in the bathroom. You did, yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. But you do, you do again, like mm. it's exposure to stuff. Um, I got used to yeah. it. So I yeah. don't get upset about it anymore. Yeah. Whereas I might with my dad. Right. Because he's gone. I think yeah, I was a bit yeah. closer to my dad as well. When did that, when did he pass away? Uh, just over a year ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Three months after my sister's husband died in a motorcycle accident as well. Wow. So that was fucking crazy. And in the middle of that is when I quit my job. Mm. That was the catalyst for me going, I need to do what I want. Mm. So how did that affect you then? You just touched on it there, but I mean, it's still going to affect you. You're not going to ever get over that to some degree, right? But Yeah. Um, it was tough, man. Really tough. Um, my sister, I was picking Ivy up from kickboxing. And my sister was, rang me three times. I was like, oh. picked it up and she was like, Ross is dead. And she was there. Yeah. So he'd left for work. He worked about 20 minutes away on yeah. his motorbike. Bearing in mind, he's an ex-copper head of the motorcycle part of the police in that particular area, which mm -hmm. I think was Mac. Yeah. Um, that's before he got with my sister. So, yeah, he'd, he'd driven to work. And then I think my sister got a call saying he's not, he's not showing up. Mm. So she went on track tracked my iPhone because they all, even the kids are still now at their age, you know, 18 and 21 or, right. sorry guys, if you're listening, I can't remember how old you are. <laughs> um, all's 21 now actually, but yeah, yeah. going back to last year. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, find my iPhone and it's just in one position on this, on this country road. So she drove down there and yeah, there was obviously, there was a scene there. Oh my God, right. Yeah. She didn't fully see him but she saw his legs. So the worst fears were being realised. Yeah. And she's, she's obviously rung me. So I've met Amy halfway between our house and kickboxing. And she said, mm. go back to my house. I was like, I'm coming to pick you up. And she said, no, 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 I'm driving. Yeah. Go back to my house. Don't tell Sophie who's her daughter. Don't tell Sophie anything. I was just like, I can't go in that house and look at Sophie saying her stepdad's, um, been killed i'm gonna to have to just sit outside so then i was like like what am i doing I was sat in a car like i need, I need to mm. be there for my sister or whatever so i rang her mm. and she was crying that hard i swear i could hear both of them laughing her and him and i was just like what the hell's got my head was just up like up my ass yeah, obviously i was like they're both in the car laughing and obviously they weren't yeah um so right. got back he's got two kids grown up no way so just yeah. tried to ring them. Had to ring his mum. It's terrible, man. So mm. yeah, that was a, another time when my when my legs went carrying the coffin. Did they? My legs went. Yeah, not fully, mm. but I was like really unsteady. That was just. And again, I wouldn't say it's because we weren't mega close. We got on got on really well. Had a good laugh. Shared the same birthday as well, which kind of right tarnishes the day for me slightly. Um, yeah, right. and also for for my sister. Mm. But we always went out and had. Mm. Good times. Um, so mm. that's, it's when, when when something like that happens, um, you you end up reflecting. I think quite a lot, don't you? Massively, massively. So yeah, I remember. I remember the night. I remember when I made the decision to quit my job because I thought that phone call that came for came from my sister was going to be about my dad because he he was in hospital. Yeah. Like, 
just didn't expect it to be the other way around. So, yeah, I, I left her house at some point that that evening after it all happened. Mm. I was like, oh fuck it, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go get a bottle of rum. I'm not going into the agency role tomorrow. Yeah, right. And that was the final tipping point. And I was on the phone to her till like four in the morning, just drinking, 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 and mm. yeah. It's yeah. still very surreal at that of, point of as course. well. She, he worked. He was working a night shift. It was about half four at, yeah. at, at, in the afternoon. So for her, he's just on that night shift. Yeah. So you could probably like adjust or fall asleep if she did. I don't know, but mm. fall asleep and then wake up again. And mm. no, he's always just at work. But it just kind of smacks of the, the truth that life can be too short, can be taken away from you, all the cliches you want to say. How has that kind of almost galvanized you in terms of if it has at all, in terms of all your changed your approach to life in any, in any way at all or not? I think it should have done more than it did or has or does. Mm. But yeah, it, it has to some degree, but not as yeah. much as you probably think yeah. it would. There like was so much packed into that year though. It was, it was crazy. Obviously we've been working at home for two years from like due to COVID pretty yeah. much. I didn't really go into the office again much after yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was so just used to being in this, this room basically where my office and then, yeah, that thing with Russ happened. I quit my job. My dad died, which was expected. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I still just kind of stayed in this in this work bubble. And I don't know. You know, we mentioned the medication before. I think that probably plays a little part in yeah. just like subduing the emotions a bit. Yeah, I've had some. I've had a couple of breakdowns, i.e., like crying wise, but not as All much right. as I would have thought. And, but they're both like you can't compare us for my sister as well. Yeah. Like, how do you compare husband I, and dad in three months? I think people deal with things in different ways, and I'm. I'm a coach myself, but I, I've been very open with the fact that I've had my own coaches. I have my own therapy, and I think it's really important for everybody, no matter who you are, to have your own coach and a, your own therapy. And um, I still feel as if I'm processing some trauma. And I still do find it quite difficult to fully let go with my emotions in terms of crying and that kind of stuff. I'm not saying you have to cry for the sake of it. And without being too straightforward, I think women are better at it or find it easier to show their emotions. What's your view and how have you dealt with the emotions, the crying, that kind of stuff? How do you, how do you feel about processing trauma and emotions in that way? I'd say these are the, the, the first two major bits of trauma that I've mm. experienced really. And I think I dealt with them, like you say, coping mechanism. Everyone's yeah. got, a, whether they know it or not, and me maybe not reacting as I thought of what is, is, due to some form of coping mechanism. Yeah. And I think that was being so busy with work. Yeah, right. That I haven't had time to 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 cry as much as maybe mm. I should have done. Um then again, I'm not a big crier anyway, no. really. I wouldn't have any no. problem showing it. Yeah. I did an interview one of those client interviews with someone yesterday and they made me like made yeah. me well up. Right, right. Cuz I'm actually quite an emotional person. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but I don't know. It's a way. It's something I've not tapped into or really thought about. It's, and it's one of those where, though, isn't it? It's like people say, "Oh, you know, you, you, if 
the best way to attack it is is to look forward and but i i believe actually until you go back and process it you can't really you're still shackled by it and it's when you say you haven't got time people might think well you, what you haven't got time to process it is that a defense mechanism but i don't think also i don't think you can force the emotions to come out maybe it's just a journey that you're going on and it's like you know it'll it'll, it'll come out in a way it comes out right hmm. but I think we, we, we talked about just before the show started about when your mate asked you what you're doing today and you said, well, I'll get up about nine o'clock and have a bit of coffee and breakfast and go, go on a podcast. And for me, all the stuff we've talked about is that I, I used to run a big business. I had all the money, all the trappings. I used to do nine to five, but now I'm a, a an entrepreneur and I kind of like, I dictate my own diary. And it's for me, what is happiness, what success, things happen to me. It's having conversations like this. Yes, being open and vulnerable, but kind of like living my life in a way that isn't i'm not necessarily chasing stuff i don't know where i'm going with this i'm i think where i'm going with this is it feels i think you said you're the most content you've been for a while how hmm. in answer to, to frame that that whole sentence there how happy are you what's happiness to you what's contentment to you happiness for me is being around people who make me feel good mm-hmm and doing what I want with my time because I'm quite content on my own now. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't have been years ago. You have to go through those yeah. those steps, the journey. Um, similar to yourself when you mentioned it earlier. Mm. I think you. It's yeah. It's just being around people that make me feel happy, and working makes me like feel yeah. feel happy. I, I absolutely love it, um, and that's all right. You're allowed to like what you want. Of course. Some people it's are into a big some thing, really though, isn't it? weird stuff. Yeah, I think we're, <laughs> we're fortunate to be in that position because I think a lot of yeah. people in this world, they, they, they go to work, they come home, they're in the money, and they don't even know why they're fucking doing it. And there is no, I talk, this is the purpose of the leadership podcast, and you don't have to have your purpose defined, but I think if you haven't got fulfillment in what you're doing, it, it, life can be quite difficult. And it's, for me, it's about, it's about finding just, just that, that flow, I think. Mm. That's exactly where I would be if if uh, I hadn't met Amy. Exactly what you just right. described, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dead yeah. end job, pretty much. We're kind of coming. I mean, the, the time has just flown by. Um, yeah, We've only got a couple of minutes left. Um, it's been fascinating to get to know you, mate. What advice would you give um, entrepreneurs or, or someone coming out of university or a young guy or young girl trying to make their way in the world, new to social media, new to life? What, what would you... What would you say to them? I think I'd tie in with the purpose side of things. Mm. But don't get too hung up on like what other people are doing or what other people think of you. Because that stopped me for years. Maybe my whole life acting the exact way I wanted to do. Um, yeah. So making a plan as to what you, you actually want to achieve. Yes. Knowing that that plan will not be where you end up, but just taking the steps towards that plan mean that you're you're making progress. Yeah. Um and yeah, don't don't put people on a pedestal as well or let like some you might have these one or two people like I did in your head mm. that are actually you're living life on their terms. So you've got to be really careful about that. Yeah. Um and taking taking action. If there's a closing statement from me, man, taking action. Definitely, like you want mate. something, don't wait for someone to hand it to you because it's not going to happen. Yeah. 
work out what the big off, big one-off like things are that you've got to do. Work out the daily habits are that you've got to do to achieve that goal. As an example of that, if you join in a gym, if you want to lose weight, a big a one-off action is joining a gym. Yeah, the habit is going to the gym. Yeah, it's downloading my fitness pal as the one-off thing versus tracking your calories every day. So what are the big things? What are the small things that you can totally. do daily? And then no, those small wins will just tally up. Don't worry about where you're meant to be by a certain age or what society's, society's like mm. trying to dictate to you, I think is, is one of the biggest things. That's really, really powerful. Um, mate, absolute pleasure. Thank you. Where can people find you? Uh, it's probably an obvious question, but what's, what's the best way to get hold of you? I would go to LinkedIn or youtube now because oh youtube as well right yeah ramping it up this year uh, nice. next year sorry um so it's just chris james online until i can think of something short and snappy. <laughs> mate absolute pleasure thanks, thanks for coming chris. on appreciate it